Amen. Amen. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. All right. Uh, here's where I want to start off uh, the question today. Is Christianity in trouble? As we look at kind of the global landscape of like where Christianity is, where churches are, like is, is it in trouble? And I think it's a decent question because when you look at the stats, a lot of the stats aren't good. Uh, here's a, a poll that was by Gallup uh, a couple years ago. They do different surveys like this. And uh, way back uh, in the 40s, um, uh, some of you guys might remember that, uh, the 40s, uh, there was uh, about three quarters, 75% of folks in America were a part of some sort of a congregation. But back in 2020, actually before the pandemic 2020, uh, Gallup found that for the first time, less than half of Americans are part of any kind of a congregation. And for most of us, that's really not a surprise, because when you think about your group of friends, maybe, when you think about the folks who live on your street, when you think about the folks that you work with, and you think about how many of them are actively a part of a church, it's very, very few. Uh, and actually, then, as we look around our city, we see different buildings that used to be houses of like, you know, a congregation used to call that their home that are now empty. And you'll see like buildings that are for sale. And there's a building right over there on a lake in a Western that used to be full of folks, but now it's empty. I think it's for sale if anybody wants to buy it. Uh, over by uh, my house, by St. Peter's, uh, there's a building that used to house a congregation, and now it's a recording studio. Uh, I think there's a State Farm office uh, there, too. Uh, if uh, there's a, up here on Allen, uh, there's a building that used to house a congregation, um, but now it's a daycare. And all over the place, there's buildings that used to be full of people that are now fairly empty. Uh, and that was all pre-pandemic, uh, another group called Barna, they came out with a stat that said at the beginning of 2020, once COVID hit and churches closed down, you know, you couldn't go into the building anymore, you know, you could watch online if you wanted to, uh, Barna found that a third of folks that were practicing, so I guess a third of those folks that were in that 47% still, a third of them were like, eh, not worth it, uh, I, just, I just don't really want to be involved anymore. So the question is, as you look at those kind of stats, is that, should we be worried? <laughs> Does that mean that somehow that Christianity is in trouble? Uh, and I think that there's things that we can learn from there. But here's what I want to talk about today. So while some of those things might be a little bit troubling, and I don't know if necessarily God is excited about those things, here's what I would say, is that God, looking at all that of what's going on in our world, God is not worried. Because when God looks at the world and he sees the churches that you see, when he looks at all of that, what he sees is that there is still more going on in the world. Because what God sees is that his kingdom is alive and well. That while maybe churches might be empty, that while people maybe who were watching online for a little while and stopped, while my, all that very well might be true, his kingdom is very alive and well. Uh, and then here's the main thing that I want you to get today if you check out at some point, is that the invitation that all of us have is not necessarily to partner with a church as far as an organization or especially a building, but the invitation that all of us have is that we are invited into God's kingdom and that we can partner with what God is doing in the kingdom today. Uh, now, 
You might be asking, okay, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean as far as, I don't even, I, I don't know if I could define for you what the kingdom of God even is, and I get that. And so last uh, live service, we started to talk about this, and here's what uh, we said in the last live service. Uh, we said that what we want to do as a group of people is we want to be a group of people that are following Jesus as our king. And what we mean by that as far as following Jesus as our king is that that means that we want to do what Jesus said. We want to see Jesus as our in charge, as our commander, whatever Jesus says to do, we say, okay, I'm going to do that. You're in charge of my life. I'm not in charge of my life. Uh, The culture's not in charge of my life. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. But for many of us, that can be an issue because we're like, I don't even, I I can't tell you everything that Jesus said. I haven't memorized all that yet. I I haven't even read all that yet. Like, I don't know all the things that Jesus said, and and I get that. So we said, well, let's just start at least at the biggest rocks. And so what is the thing that Jesus talked about most? Because whatever Jesus talked about most, whatever he invited us to most, whatever he encouraged other people to be a part of the most, that's probably what we should focus on. Uh, And two weeks ago, what we said is that what Jesus talked about most is the kingdom, which is interesting because even though Jesus talked the most about the kingdom of anything else, again, for many of us, if we were to say, if I go around the room and everyone share their answer, what is the kingdom to you? Many of us would have different answers. Some of us wouldn't really have an answer at all. We can't, we don't have like a great clarity on exactly here's what the kingdom of God is. And I think there's a reason for that, because the kingdom of God is not this, like, easy, soundbite, black and white thing. It is, by nature, to talk about this, a little complicated. Uh, Here's what we said uh, last time, is that the kingdom of God is irreducible. And so many times, you'll hear someone try to often narrow the kingdom. So the kingdom of God means that when you die, you'll get to go to heaven. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. Like, man... Yeah, that's a part of it, but the kingdom of God's bigger than that, you know? Or people say, the kingdom of God means that you can be forgiven of your sins. And yeah, absolutely, that's a part of it, but it's bigger than that. Uh, some people say the kingdom of God means when you're giving people food, when you're giving people uh, a, a place to sleep, when you're looking out for other people's needs, that's what the kingdom of God is really all about. And yeah, absolutely, it's it's those things and all of those things and more of those things. And where we can get in trouble is where we try to make it this little narrow thing because the kingdom of God is wide. Uh, we also said that the kingdom of God is revolutionary. That when the kingdom of God takes root in your life, when the kingdom of God, if it took root in your family, if the kingdom of God took root on your street, if the kingdom of God took root in your place of work, in our city, it would change everything. It's just, it's absolutely revolutionary. But again, one of the things that makes the kingdom difficult sometimes is that it's, it's, it's a little confusing. It's a little, it's subversive. It, it's countercultural. It just, it's so different than how we normally think, which is why I think Jesus talks about it the way he talked about it. Because Jesus didn't want it to be this like, okay, here's this little factoid, here's this little like, you know, piece of truth, here's this, you know, little like fortune cookie wisdom that, okay, take that, now I can apply it to my life. Jesus wants more than that because the kingdom is more than that. It's bigger than that. He wants this to be something that's going to be this big, wide thing that's going to change all of our lives, which means if we're going to understand it, we have to open up our minds. We have to open up our imaginations. 
We have, we have to see the world. We have to see things in a, in a very different upside-down way than what we normally do. And so often what Jesus will do when he talks about the kingdom is he'll say this. He'll say the kingdom of God, not, it's exactly, it, he will say the kingdom of God is, it's like. It's like a for instance. And he will tell a story. He, he will have a metaphor. He will try to paint a picture for us of this big idea of what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, and from now until after Easter, we're going to be looking at these different for instances that Jesus says, these different stories, as he tries to explain to us what the kingdom of God is like. And here's the story for today. Jesus told them another parable. Uh, we talked last time about this idea of parables. Parables are these made-up stories that Jesus tells, but they are stories that are deep. These are not stories that are just like these like surface level, like these are stories that have like layers to them. Uh, we, we said last time that they have like Easter eggs in them. Uh, that for those of you that are, are fans of like uh, over the last couple month now. My kids and I, we've watched most of the Star Wars movies. I don't know if you're Star Wars fans or not, but when you watch a Star Wars movie, uh, you kind of get some of the pieces of it. You get the story. It's kind of a fun thing. There's things blowing up. There's aliens. But then every once in a while, my cousin came to visit us this past week, and my cousin is a Star Wars nerd, you know, self-admittedly. And when we talk about the Star Wars movies, like, we're like, oh yeah, this is kind of cool. When he talks about it, he's like, yeah, but did you know, like, that this guy represents this, and you know, do you know that this color lightsaber actually means this, and do you know that when the guy walked into the cave, that it's really this guy? He has, like, all these other things that he knows, because he's, like, read deep into the story. Uh, and what we said last time is that that's how these parables are. There's a surface level that we can go to, but all these deep meanings, and we'll go into that a little bit today. I told them another parable. Sorry, go back. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like, here's what it's like, for instance, paint a picture for you, a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Go to the next one. Though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of all garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Uh, Next one. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the dough. So that's what the kingdom of God's like. Everyone clear now? Everyone got it? It makes sense? There's a couple of reasons of why we don't get this. Uh, one, it's a lot of us don't like work necessarily with like a lot of these kind of worlds. But there's a few things that are here that are surface level that the folks 2,000 years ago sitting in the audience listening to Jesus would have got that we don't get because this is just not our world. So let me dive into these uh, a little bit. So the first thing that um, Jesus wanted us to see in this is that the kingdom of God is in, if you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, where it's found, it's in the ordinary and it's in the unwanted. Uh, and so Jesus talks about the story. This farmer goes out and plants mustard seed. And for me, maybe for m- most of you, you think, all right, I don't, I, I've never seen a mustard plant. I don't really know. Uh, I always, gr- growing up, I always picture that a mustard must be like this, like, beautiful plant. Like, you, you make, you know, mustard with it, and you put it on your hot dog, and everyone's like, yay, mustard's awesome. But that actually wasn't the case at all. For them, back 2,000 years ago, mustard was not this, like, glorious plant. It was, best case, incredibly ordinary, and oftentimes, actually, it was very unwanted. Uh, Mustard was seen as kind of like this, like, toxic weed. Uh, Here's a a picture that a friend of mine who went to Israel a little bit ago uh, took. Not the best picture, but 
Mustard grows in kind of two different ways. Often it grows as just kind of this like general weed junk. And then every once in a while, it can become this like big bush tree type stuff. But you see, this is like randomly on the side of the road. This isn't like intentional. This just like randomly grew up. Uh, and so for our purposes, I think a better kind of language twist, if Jesus was around today, he might say this. A farmer went out into his field and into his yard and he planted dandelions. To which I'll also be like, one, you don't have to plant dandelions. <laughs> they will just happen. That, that's the ordinary stuff. And actually, what many of us do is we will actually spend an extraordinary amount of time, money, goops, and you know, chemicals that we put on our yard trying to get rid of dandelions because we see dandelions as something that are just they're ordinary, and many times they are actually unwanted. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like, is that, Je- is that the kingdom of God is found in things that are naturally just happening ordinary, and actually the kingdom of God can be found in things that we consider to be unwanted. Uh, so here's a question to get us thinking a little bit into this story. What are the things in your life that you are trying to get rid of? What are the things in your life that you are actively, you're like, you see it in your yard of your life, like, I, I, I don't want that there. Like, I, I want to get rid of that as quick as possible. And there might be multiple things. Uh, one thing that'll kind of just help stir up our imagination a little bit, uh, very true for me in my life, is what I am often trying to get rid of is trouble. Uh, or you could change it to discomfort. Or you could change it to pain. Things in my life that are not going the way that I want them to. I want to get out of that situation as quick as possible. I don't want to sit in discomfort. I don't want to sit in pain. When when something isn't right, I want to fix it, and I want to move on to things that are good again. Uh, And one of the things that I have been learning over the last two years, maybe many of you have learned too, uh, we've been offering a class called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And one of the things that we've talked about is that one of the ways in which God often is growing something in our life is oftentimes through trouble, through pain. Uh, we've talked about the idea in emotional health and spirituality that God often grows things in weakness, that God grows things in pain, uh, that God grows things in our life through vulnerability. And for many of us, like we've, I want to get rid of the weakness in my life. I want to make sure no one knows about the weakness in my life as quick as possible. I don't want to be vulnerable in any situation where I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I want to get out of that as quick as possible. But Jesus is saying, is it possible that where the kingdom of God most wants to grow in your life, where this farmer is planting something in your life, is actually in the unwanted parts of your life? Uh, The next thing that uh, folks would have seen uh, back then is that the kingdom of God is not just for unwanted things, but the kingdom of God is this like crazy inclusive community. Uh, Jesus uh, paints this idea that it's going to be mustard that's going to grow everywhere. It's kind of just random stuff everywhere. And it's going to be a home for birds. Uh, And again, the folks in are like, one, If I'm ever planting a garden, I'm not planting mustard in it to begin with. And two, I'm not going to be excited if I have this garden and all of a sudden a bunch of birds now show up in my garden. This is not at all what I want. Uh, And then even a little deeper than that, for the folks back then, 2,000 years ago, uh, birds, especially the kind of birds that they would be thinking about when, this is my own personal thought. I don't know if this is true or not. I think often when Jesus 
told these stories, he was literally like pointing to things that were literally around them. And in Israel at that day, there might have been mustard just literally everywhere because it just kind of grew up constantly. So he might have literally looking at bush and this kind of mustard and just all these like little gross birds everywhere. He's like literally looking at them. And these are not the kind of birds that people want around. And especially in that day, 2,000 years ago, when people thought about birds, it was like a a metaphor or like slang or almost like a racial slur for people that we don't really want. Especially uh, in Jewish world, it would have been a, a kind of a, a term to talk about Gentiles. And a Gentile was anyone who wasn't a Jewish person. And in the Jewish world, there was very much a hierarchy of, of race, of religion. And there was an idea that, okay, here's If God's going to use a group of people, obviously he's going to use the Jewish people way before he uses any kind of like a Gentile person. I don't even think, if God is going to like bless a group of people, obviously he's going to bless the Jewish people. And Jews are up here and and Gentiles are inferior. Uh, They're doing things wrong. We, We are looking down our noses at them. And Jesus says, here's what I want to do. is I want to build a garden out of this weed that you didn't even really want around anyways. And it's going to be a home for the Gentiles. They are going to come. I'm building this kingdom for the folks that you don't even want around. Uh, so again, just thinking through what the ramifications of this kingdom that Jesus is building is. Uh, who are the people that you don't want around? Uh, sorry, you can go to the next one, Kim. Who are the unwanted people in your life? Uh, and for some of us, it's a very specific person. For some of us, it might be a wider kind of group of people. Uh, here's the way that I often think about it is, who is it that you wouldn't want to walk through one of these doors? You know, this, you're here, I mean, for some of you, this is your church family. Some of you are here for the first time and you're visiting. But is there somebody that if you walk through that door, you'd be like, oh, crud, what, what are they doing here? And for some of us, it's a very specific person. It's someone in our family that we've drawn boundaries around, and we don't want them, you know. For some of us, it's someone in our neighborhood, someone in our past. For some of us, it's, it's more general. You know, it, it's someone who's like, you know, like very, you would see as, you know, very conservative, right wing, you know, somebody just has, you know, all. For some of us, it's someone who's like way left wing, you know, way, you know, on that side. For some of us, it's someone who represents a certain group. And if we're honest, we, that's just not who we want to spend time with. Or at the very least, it's not just that some of them might be okay if they're here, but who is it that you, you don't want them to lead? Like, okay, if they want to come, that's fine, but like, if they get up on stage and they start talking, I'm not taking advice from my crazy uncle. If, he, you know, uh, if, 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 if my you know, neighbor starts coming here and they get involved and like, you know, they, they put him in the band, like, I just don't know if I could like, sing while they're up there. You know? You know, if I see someone you know, and they're wearing a MAGA hat, I don't know if, I, you know, if they're up here and they're wearing a Bernie hat. You know, I, I just don't know if I could listen, if I could be taught by someone because I'm kind of under the impression that here's the people that God uses And I don't think God uses, I don't know if God likes, I think God disagrees with those people. And Jesus says, I'm going to build a home. I'm going to build a kingdom that's intentionally inviting for the folks that other folks don't want around, don't want to spend time with, don't want to be uh, around. Uh, Next one, uh, the kingdom of God 
uh, is based off of movement. Uh, and I struggle with even the best way to explain this. But here's how Jesus talks about this. Is Jesus wants to build this kingdom, and this would have been something that was very real for the folks 2,000 years ago. It's real for a lot of us. Is They want to see God do something, and they want to see God do something big. But for most of them, and I think for a lot of us, when we think of the idea that God's going to do something big, we think of something very kind of institutional, very organizational. Uh, So for them, they thought, okay, God's going to do something big. That means he's going to do something with the temple, or God's going to do something with a king, or God's going to do something with the nation of Israel. And then other people are going to see this, and then they'll come and they'll be a part of it. Uh, For me, a lot of times, the way I think about it, man, if God's going to really do something big for the kingdom of God in Albany, then it's going to be like through our service. And that if God wants to really do something big, then that means that a lot more people will be a part of our Sunday morning services a year from now, five years from now. That somehow if God was going to really do something, then he would maybe someday give us a bigger building and then more people could fit in the building. And that's the way that God is really going to do something big in the world is by having a place or a person or something that everyone then comes to that. It's going to be very centralized. Uh, and there's a reason of why they would have thought that. Uh, Jesus is doing something he, is a very subversive, very interesting, as he always does these texts. He's talking about that he's going to plant the seeds, mustard seed, it's going to grow, and it's going to become the biggest of all plants, which, again, everyone would have thought, no, it's not. It's like a stupid little bush. What are you even talking about? They're like, it's going to become a tree, and like, kind of a tree, but it's not like, they weren't thinking like this, like, Jesus was not painting the picture of this big thing, but he would have just painted a picture for them that those good Jewish Israelite boys and girls sitting there listening to him would have been like, I know what he's talking about. Jesus is quoting a a scripture here. He's quoting a scripture that was written about 800 years before this in Ezekiel. Uh, Here's what it says in Ezekiel. It says, on the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar tree. And birds of every kind will nest in it and they will find shelter in the shades of its branches. And the people of Israel, they're like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what the kingdom of God needs to look like. It needs to be this like big honking cedar tree that everyone's like, yeah, that that thing is big and awesome. Everyone's going to come. That's going to let people know about what God is. And he's, Jesus now is quoting this and he's saying, yeah, yeah, the kingdom of God's going to be this like big cool thing, but not big tall cedar tree. It's going to be mustard. It's going to be this thing that like, like it's going to be big, but not big tall awesome. Like big wide, big viral. And I think that, and this is big for come to our family service that we're going to do in two weeks from now. There's a lot of what we've been thinking about as far as even what our church is is that I think how God's kingdom wants to grow, and I'm certain that God's kingdom is growing and wants to grow, but it's not going to be this thing of like, oh, let's build this big tree, let's build this big church, let's build this big service, and then everyone can come to us, and then we can somehow, that the kingdom of God is this viral, just dandelions, weeds everywhere, you can't stop it, you put some roundup on it for a while, it looks good, and then it pops back up, like, ah, the kingdom of God is this thing that just is unstoppable movement, and that that's what God wants to do. Uh, last one. Uh, oh, sorry, I, I love this quote by Reggie McNeil. It says, we must move from churches as institution to churches as movement. I think that's 
what we're asking all of you to help us figure out as we're moving to the church. We don't, we, church is not a building, it's not an organization. It's like we want to move from church as being this institution. You know, how's church doing? How's attendance doing? You know, how many people are coming to service? But it's this movement. It's, it's in your neighborhood. It's in your street. It's in, uh, that's what we want it to be. I think that Jesus is painting the picture of. Uh, sorry, the last one is that the kingdom of God is radical hospitality. Uh, We've dumped a lot on the mustard seed so far. Uh, I think these stories are very parallel in a lot of ways. You can see these same principles of many times yeast was often unwanted. Uh, people in Israel would have spent tremendous amount of time, especially on holy holidays, getting yeast out of their house, and now they're using yeast uh, especially. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeast often represented the unwanted things of life. is often a metaphor in that too. And then yeast is obviously very movement, you know, viral acting as well. But here's, I think, one of the coolest things about the, the story of the yeast. It says, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Uh, any bakers in the group? Any big bakers? I, I see Allison back there. You guys, uh, Allison, have you ever used a recipe before that required 60 pounds of flour? Uh, about... Uh, to take a wild guess, put you on the spot, I know. How many loaves of bread do you think you can make out of 60 pounds of flour? A lot. <laughs> yeah, so this is a stinking lot of bread. And so, one, we're going to talk about the idea of radical hospitality here. So obviously now we're thinking, someone is making bread not just for them. If you're baking with 60 pounds of flour. You're baking for lots and lots of people. But again, Jesus is doing something here. He wants everyone to think about something. And the picture that would have automatically jumped to them is that this isn't a random number. Uh, there is another time where there was an actual woman who actually needed yeast into 60 pounds of flour. And this would have been a really big story for the people of Israel. This is going about 1,500 years before the time of Jesus, a guy named Abraham. So Abraham looked up, and he saw three men, and these are strangers. These are, you might have heard of Abraham before. These are strangers that Abraham is meeting, and they're standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried off to the entrance of his tent to meet them, and he bowed low to the ground. So these are guys, he doesn't even know these guys, and he's bowing, giving them just like crazy like respect. And he said, let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. And here's how he's going to uh, feed these guys. He said, very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, who's his wife. He said, quick, he said, get three says, which would have been 60 pounds of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. And this was a very common story that the folks of Israel held very, very close because they considered this to be a bit of a miracle and a big part of the whole nature of still in Middle Eastern world was this idea that we are going to be crazy hospitable. And they would point to the story as an example of a time that Abraham and Sarah welcomed these strangers that they had never met before. They took care of their needs. They respected them. And they gave them not a little bit of food. They gave them a ridiculous amount of food. And Jesus says, here's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like that day. Here's the way in which I want to change the world. Is I want to change the world with a group of people that are looking at the strangers of this world, maybe even the unwanted strangers of this world, 
And the way my viral movement is going to grow is through people that are giving radical hospitality to others. And I love that because it's radical hospitality that I think often makes the big changes in the world. I've told you before, uh, so some of you have heard the story, some of you might not have, uh, but a big part of my story and my family's story is that we're a, a group group of family member of folks that are following Jesus, that are trying to live in this kingdom, that are trying to serve, and uh, we just have lots of Christians in my family, which is an amazing thing. And actually, we have a crazy amount of pastors in my family. I think we have like 16, 17 different pastors in my family, and folks that aren't pastors are leaders in their churches, and are giving money and being generous, and it's just like this big thing that God is doing through all my relatives. And here's where it all started, as with my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather was a college student, didn't believe in Jesus, wasn't following uh, Jesus, wasn't making Jesus king of his life in the least bit. Uh, But he lived upstairs from this older woman who he's renting an apartment from, and she was a baker. And so she would routinely make him pies, and she would make him this deal that if I make you a pie, then maybe you would come with me to my church. And at one point, because he liked pies, he's like, you know what? Fine. Uh, if, you, if you'll keep making me pies, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go. And that experience of going changed his life and changed the trajectory of our whole family's life. And then that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a woman who is using gifts of hospitality to make viral difference in the world. Uh, So there's a lot more kind of tangents you could go on in the story. There's so much here, but here's what uh, think about. Uh, If you're a part of a one-on-one, maybe you want to spend time thinking about that, talking about that this week. But which one of these kind of fits most into your life right now? Because what I'm confident for every single one of you is that God is trying to grow the kingdom in your life. Like we talked about two weeks, God is trying to plant seeds of the kingdom in your life. He wants to see it grow. So how does the kingdom want to grow in your life over the next coming days and weeks? Is it that God is trying to use some of the ordinary or the unwanted things in your life? Maybe God wants you to pay more attention to the things that are happening in your house the things that are happening at work, the things that are happening all around you. Maybe some things that you've been working to even get rid of, trouble, pain, discomfort, whatever it might be for you. And maybe instead of trying to just ignore those things or just kind of move on, maybe we need to move a little slower, be a little quieter, and see, God, how are you growing something right now through the ordinary or unwanted things in my life? Uh, Or maybe for you it's, it's radical inclusion. Maybe there's someone that you've been intentionally trying to exclude out of your life, that you've not been trying to listen to their opinions. And maybe where God wants to have the kingdom grow in your life is through someone that you've been trying to keep away, and that's exactly who God wants to use, or it's that group of people that God wants to use to speak the kingdom into your life. Uh, Or maybe for you, it's the idea of movement. Uh, you've been thinking about the idea of like, all right, I want God to do something big. I'm like, man, I, I hope like Christ Church Albany does something. And that, that would be cool. But maybe it's that, well, I think God wants to do something through me. I think God's plan of how he wants to reach my street isn't like, you know, maybe they'll like hear about something on social media about Christ Church Albany, but maybe it's through me moving and growing. 
Uh, for some of us, it's the idea of radical hospitality. That maybe there's some way that you can invite someone into your life. That you can just love the people around you. That you can be generous to the people around you. That you can share food with the folks around you. And that's the way that God wants to grow your kingdom. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he wants to invite us into it. Invite us to take notice of the unwanted things. Invite us into radical inclusion. Invite us into movement. Invite it in radical hospitality. Uh, one kind of very tangible step uh, that I've been practicing in my life and some of our other leaders in church have been practicing uh, is praying this prayer uh, on a regular basis. Is walking the streets. Uh, I did this this morning, actually, just walking around the neighborhood here. You could do it in your office. But yeah, yeah churches are closing Folks that maybe used to be part of congregations or not, but I'm just confident God's kingdom is still alive and well. It's this viral weed that's growing up. It's growing up in the lives of people. And it might be in unwanted ways. It might be in different ways. It might be in people that we didn't think it would ever happen in. But God's kingdom is growing. And so the invitation is not, are we going to make it happen? The question is, is are we going to partner with what God is already doing? And so if you want to, you can join me in praying this prayer uh, just going to walk in your neighborhood of, God, where are you already at work? Is there any way I can join you? Are you already at work in the ordinary things, the unwanted things? Are you, how are you at work? And is there any way I can join you? Uh, and then lastly uh, for today, I think the way in which you can see best what the kingdom of God looks like is to look at the life of Jesus and look at how he actually lived this stuff out and then to look at the early church and see how they live this stuff out. And what we see in the life of Jesus is he is like all about the ordinary and the unwanted. He is all about radical inclusion. He is all about viral movement. And he is definitely all about the idea of hospitality. And many times when you see the picture of Jesus, he's sitting around with people, he's eating with them. And it's just like, how are these people all even in the same room? Like, they should so disagree with each other. They should so hate each other. Like, there's so many different ideas here, but that's exactly what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, and so as we take uh, communion today, there should be communion in your mug there. I'm going to read a verse that was written by a guy named Paul, who was one of the early Christians, to one of these early churches that's trying to figure out how we live this stuff out. And I think Paul got this so much of what the kingdom of God was going to look like. And he paints this beautiful picture for us. So let um, me read this uh, out of uh, 2 Corinthians. And then at the end, Stephen's going to play a little bit of music, and you can take communion when you're ready for it. Now, here's what Paul said. He said, if we are out of our mind, okay, what kind of a farmer plants mustard seed? I and mean, who's even, it's out of, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. Because God, is, he does things that just seem unordinary. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. All are included. And therefore, all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died. For them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one, not even them, from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And this is from God who reconciled. Who took the, the weeds and yeast and dandelions of the world and said, that's exactly what I want to use. Us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You are not just ordinary. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. He wants us to be a part of it. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, let's pray as we get ready to take communion. Uh, Jesus, I believe that you are at work. As I think about the folks that are in the houses and apartments right out the windows here, as I think about the individuals that uh, I walked past this morning, as I think about the individuals that live on the streets of all the folks that are in front of me, as I think about the coworkers, you are at work in every single one of their lives. Your kingdom is active and alive. It's growing like mustard seed. You just can't stop it. But many times we might not even recognize it because it's growing in ways that just seem so ordinary or maybe even unwanted. It's growing in the lives of people that we think, oh yeah, God couldn't possibly be doing something in their life. But you are. And you want to grow it not just through institutions, but through your movement. And you want to use simple little things like hospitality radical hospitality. That the biggest way that maybe we can make an influence into generations of a family is just by baking a pie. By just by making lots of bread. By inviting other people. Uh, help us to understand your kingdom. Help us to open up our minds, our imaginations so that we can live as kingdom agents. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you died for all. Help us to become ambassadors of your love for us. Let me pray. Amen.